Section three of Famous Adventures and Prison Escapes of the Civil War by Various. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section three War Diary of a Union Woman in the South. Part three. Eleven Wild Times in Mississippi. This morning there was a most painful scene. Annie's father came into Vicksburg, ten miles from here, and learned of our arrival from Mrs. C.'s messenger. He sent out a carriage to bring Annie and Max to town that they might go home with him, and with it came a letter for me from friends on the Jackson Railroad, written many weeks before. They had heard that our village home was under water, and invited us to visit them. The letter had been sent to Annie's people to forward, and thus had reached us. This decided H, as the place was near New Orleans, to go there and wait the chance of getting into that city. Max, when he heard this from H, lost all self-control and cried like a baby. He stalked about the garden in the most tragic manner, exclaiming, Oh, my soul's brother from youth up is a traitor, a traitor to his country. Then H got angry and said, Max, don't be a fool. Who has done this? bawled Max. You felt with the South at first. Who has changed you? Of course I feel for the South now, and nobody has changed me but the logic of events, though the twenty-negro law has intensified my opinions. I can't see why I, who have no slaves, must go to fight for them, while every man who has twenty may stay at home. I also tried to reason with Max and pour oil on his wound. Max, what interest has a man like you, without slaves, in a war for slavery? Even if you had them, they would not be your best property. That lies in your country and its resources. Nearly all the world has given up slavery. Why can't the South do the same and end the struggle? It has shown you what the South needs, and if all went to work with united hands, the South would soon be the greatest country on earth. You have no right to call H a traitor. It is we who are the true patriots and lovers of the South. This had to come, but it has upset us both. H is deeply attached to Max, and I can't bear to see a cloud between them. Max, with Annie and Reeny, drove off an hour ago, Annie so glad at the prospect of again seeing her mother that nothing could cloud her day, and so the close companionship of six months and of dangers, trials, and pleasures shared together is over oak ridge july twenty sixth saturday it was not till wednesday that h could get into vicksburg ten miles distant for a passport without which we could not go on the cars we started thursday morning i had to ride seven miles on a hard trotting horse to the nearest station the day was burning at white heat when the station was reached my hair was down my hat on my neck and my feelings were indescribable on the train, one seemed to be right in the stream of war, among officers, soldiers, sick men and cripples, adieus, tears, laughter, constant chatter, and strangest of all, sentinels posted at the locked car doors demanding passports. There was no train south from Jackson that day, so we put up at the Bowman House. The excitement was indescribable. 
all the world appeared to be traveling through jackson people were besieging the two hotels offering enormous prices for the privilege of sleeping anywhere under a roof there were many refugees from new orleans among them some acquaintances of mine the peculiar styles of women's dress necessitated by the exigencies of war gave the crowd a very striking appearance in single suits i saw sleeves of one color the waist of another the skirt of another scarlet jackets and gray skirts black waists and blue skirts black skirts and gray waists the trimming chiefly gold braid and buttons to give a military air the gray and gold uniforms of the officers glittering between made up a carnival of color every moment we saw strange meetings and partings of people from all over the south conditions of time space locality and estate were all loosened everybody seemed floating he knew not whither but determined to be jolly and keep up an excitement at supper we had tough steak heavy dirty-looking bread confederate coffee the coffee was made of either parched rye or cornmeal or of sweet potatoes cut in small cubes and roasted this was the favorite when flavored with coffee essence sweetened with sorghum and tinctured with chalky milk it made a curious beverage which after tasting i preferred not to drink everyone else was drinking it and an acquaintance said oh you'll get bravely over that i used to be a jewess about pork but now we just kill a hog and eat it and kill another and do the same it's all we have friday morning we took the down train from the station near my friend's house at every station we had to go through the examination of passes as if in a foreign country the conscript camp was at brookhaven and every man had been ordered to report there or to be treated as a deserter at every station i shivered mentally expecting h to be dragged off brookhaven was also the station for dinner i choked mine down feeling the sword hanging over me by a single hair at sunset we reached our station the landlady was pouring tea when we took our seats and i expected a treat but when i tasted it was sassafras tea the very odor of which sickens me there was a general surprise when i asked to exchange it for a glass of water every one was drinking it as if it were nectar this morning we drove out here my friend's little nest is calm in contrast to the tumult not far off yet the trials of war are here too having no matches they keep fire carefully covering it at night for mr g has no powder and cannot flash the gun into combustibles as some do one day they had to go with the children to the village and the servant let the fire go out when they returned at nightfall wet and hungry there was neither fire nor food mr g had to saddle the tired mule and ride three miles for a pan of coals and blow them all the way back to keep them alight crockery has gradually been broken and tin cups rusted out and a visitor told me they had made tumblers out of clear glass bottles by cutting them smooth with a heated wire and that they had nothing else to drink from august eleven we cannot get to new orleans 
a special passport must be shown and we are told that to apply for it would render h very likely to be conscripted i begged him not to try and as we hear that active hostilities have ceased at vicksburg he left me this morning to return to his uncle's and see what the prospects are there i shall be in misery about conscription till he returns sunday september seven vicksburg washington hotel h did not return for three weeks an epidemic disease broke out in his uncle's family and two children died he stayed to assist them in their trouble tuesday evening he returned for me and we reached vicksburg yesterday it was my first sight of the gibraltar of the south looking at it from a slight elevation suggests the idea that the fragments left from world-building had tumbled into a confused mass of hills hollows hillocks banks ditches and ravines and that the houses had rained down afterward over all there was dust impossible to conceive the bombardment has done little injury people have returned and resumed business a gentleman asked h if he knew of a nice girl for sale i asked if he did not think it impolitic to buy slaves now oh not young ones old ones might run off when the enemy's lines approach ours but with young ones there is no danger we had not been many hours in town before a position was offered to h which seemed providential the chief of a certain department was in ill health and wanted a deputy it secures him from conscription requires no oath and pays a good salary a mountain seemed lifted off my heart thursday september eighteenth thanksgiving day we stayed three days at the washington hotel then a friend of h s called and told him to come to his house till he could find a home boarding-houses have all been broken up and the army has occupied the few houses that were for rent Today h secured a vacant room for two weeks in the only boarding-house oak haven october three to get a house in b proved impossible so we agreed to part for a time till h could find one a friend recommended this quiet farm six miles from blank a station on the jackson railroad on last saturday h came with me as far as jackson and put me on the other train for the station on my way hither a lady whom i judged to be a confederate blockade runner told me of the tricks resorted to to get things out of new orleans including this a very large doll was emptied of its bran filled with quinine and elaborately dressed when the owner's trunk was opened she declared with tears that the doll was for a poor crippled girl and it was passed this farm of mr w s is kept with about forty negroes mr w nearly sixty is the only white man on it he seems to have been wiser in the beginning than most others and curtailed his cotton to make room for rye rice and corn there is a large vegetable garden and orchard he has bought plenty of stock for beef and mutton and laid in a large supply of sugar he must also have plenty of ammunition for a man is kept hunting and supplies the table with delicious wild turkeys and other game there is abundance of milk and butter hives for honey and no end of pigs 
chickens seem to be kept like game in parks for i never see any but the hunter shoots them and eggs are plentiful we have chickens for breakfast dinner and supper fried stewed broiled and in soup and there is a family of ten luckily i never tire of it they make starch out of cornmeal by washing the meal repeatedly pouring off the water and drying the sediment truly the uses of corn in the confederacy are varied it makes coffee beer whiskey starch cake bread the only privations here are the lack of coffee tea salt matches and good candles mr w is now having the dirt floor of his smoke-house dug up and boiling from it the salt that has dripped into it for years to-day mrs w made tea out of dried blackberry leaves but no one liked it the beds made out of equal parts of cotton and corn shucks are the most elastic i ever slept in the servants are dressed in grey homespun hester the chambermaid has a grey gown so pretty that i covet one like it mrs w is now arranging dyes for the thread to be woven into dresses for herself and the girls sometimes her hands are a curiosity the school at the nearest town is broken up and mrs w says the children are growing up heathens mr w has offered me a liberal price to give the children lessons in english and french and i have accepted transiently october twenty eighth it is a month to-day since i came here i only wish h could share these benefits the nourishing food the pure aromatic air the sound sleep away from the fevered life of vicksburg he sends me all the papers he can get a hold of and we both watch carefully the movements reported lest an army should get between us the days are full of useful work and in the lovely afternoons i take long walks with a big dog for company the girls do not care for walking in the evening mr w begs me to read aloud all the war news he is fond of the memphis appeal which has moved from town to town so much that they call it the moving appeal i sit in a low chair by the fire as we have no other light to read by sometimes travelling soldiers stop here but that is rare october thirty one mr w said last night the farmers felt uneasy about the emancipation proclamation to take effect in december the slaves had found it out though it had been carefully kept from them do yours know it i asked oh yes finding it to be known elsewhere i told it to mine with fair warning what to expect if they tried to run away the hounds are not far off the need of clothing for their armies is worrying them too i never saw mrs w so excited as on last evening she said the provost-marshal at the next town had ordered the women to knit so many pairs of socks just let them try to enforce it and they will cowhide him he'll get none from me i'll take care of my friends without an order from him well said mr w if the south is defeated and the slaves set free the southern people will all become atheists for the bible justifies slavery and says it shall be perpetual you mean if the lord does not agree with you you'll repudiate him well we'll feel it's no use to believe in anything 
at night the large sitting-room makes a striking picture mr w spare erect gray-headed patriarchal sits in his big chair by the odorous fire of pine logs and knots roaring up the vast fireplace his driver brings to him the report of the day's picking and a basket of snowy cotton for the spinning the hunter brings in the game i sit on the other side to read the great spinning wheels stand at the other end of the room and mrs w and her black satellites the elderly women with their heads in bright bandanas are hard at work slender and auburn-haired she steps back and forth out of shadow into shine following the thread with graceful movements some card the cotton some reel it into hanks over all the firelight glances now touching the golden curls of little john toddling about now the brown heads of the girls stooping over their books now the shadowy figure of little jewel the girl whose duty it is to supply the fire with rich pine to keep up the vivid light if they would only let the child sit down but that is not allowed and she gets sleepy and stumbles and knocks her head against the wall and then straightens up again when that happens often it drives me off sometimes while i read the bright room fades and a vision rises of figures clad in gray and blue lying pale and stiff on the blood-sprinkled ground november fifteen yesterday a letter was handed me from h grant's army was moving he wrote steadily down the mississippi central and might cut the road at jackson he has a house and will meet me in jackson to-morrow november twenty vicksburg a fair morning for my journey back to vicksburg on the train was the gentleman who in new orleans had told us we should have all the butter we wanted from texas on the cars as elsewhere the question of food alternated with news of the war when we ran into the jackson station h was on the platform and i gladly learned that we could go right on a runaway negro an old man ashy-coloured from fright and exhaustion with his hands chained was being dragged along by a common-looking man just as we started out of jackson the conductor led in a young woman sobbing in a heartbroken manner her grief seemed so overpowering and she was so young and helpless that every one was interested her husband went into the army in the opening of the war just after their marriage and she had never heard from him since after months of weary searching she learned he had been heard of at jackson and came full of hope but found no clue the sudden breaking down of her hope was terrible the conductor placed her in care of a gentleman going her way and left her sobbing at the next station the conductor came to ask her about her baggage she raised her head to try and answer don't cry so you'll find him yet she gave a start jumped from her seat with arms flung out and eyes staring there he is now she cried her husband stood before her the gentleman beside her yielded his seat and as hand grasped hand a hysterical gurgle gave place to a look like heaven's peace the low murmur of their talk began and when i looked around at the next station they had bought pies and were eating them together like happy children midway between jackson and vicksburg we reached the station near where annie's parents were staying i looked out and there stood annie with a little sister on each side of her brightly smiling at us 
max had written to h but we had not seen them since our parting there was only time for a word and the train flashed away twelve vicksburg we reached vicksburg that night and went to h's room next morning the cook he had engaged arrived and we moved into this house martha's ignorance keeps me busy and h is kept close at his office january seventh eighteen sixty three i have had little to record here recently for we have lived to ourselves not visiting or visited every one h knows is absent and i know no one but the family we stayed with at first and they are now absent h tells me of the added triumph since the repulse of sherman in december and the one paper published here shouts victory as much as its gradually diminishing size will allow paper is a serious want there is a great demand for envelopes in the office where h is he found and bought a lot of thick and smooth colored paper cut a tin pattern and we have whiled away some long evenings cutting envelopes and making them up i have put away a package of the best to look at when we are old the books i brought from arkansas have proved a treasure but we can get no more i went to the only bookstore open there were none but mrs stowe's sunny memories of foreign lands the clerk said i could have that cheap because he couldn't sell her books so i got it and am reading it now the monotony has only been broken by letters from friends here and there in the confederacy one of these letters tells of a federal raid to their place and says but the worst thing was they would take every toothbrush in the house because we can't buy any more and one cavalryman put my sister's new bonnet on his horse and said get up jack and her bonnet is gone february twenty five a long gap in my journal because h has been ill unto death with typhoid fever and i nearly broke down from loss of sleep there being no one to relieve me i never understood before how terrible it was to be alone at night with a patient in delirium and no one within call to wake martha was simply impossible i got the best doctor here but when convalescence began the question of food was a trial i got with great difficulty two chickens the doctor made the drug store sell two of their six bottles of port he said his patient's life depended on it an egg is a rare and precious thing meanwhile the federal fleet has been gathering has anchored at the bend and shells are thrown in at intervals march twenty the slow shelling of vicksburg goes on all the time and we have grown indifferent it does not at present interrupt or interfere with daily avocations but i suspect they are only getting the range of different points and when they have them all complete showers of shot will rain on us all at once non-combatants have been ordered to leave or prepare accordingly those who are to stay are having caves built cave digging has become a regular business prices range from twenty to fifty dollars according to size of cave two diggers worked at ours a week and charged thirty dollars it is well made in the hill that slopes just in the rear of the house and well propped up with thick posts as they all are it has a shelf also for holding a light or water when we went in this evening and sat down the earthy suffocating feeling as of a living tomb was dreadful to me 
i fear i shall risk death outside rather than melt in that dark furnace the hills are so honeycombed with caves that the streets look like avenues in a cemetery the hill called the sky parlor has become quite a fashionable resort for the few upper circle families left here some officers are quartered there and there is a band and a field glass last evening we also climbed the hill to watch the shelling but found the view not so good as on a quiet hill nearer home soon a lady began to talk to one of the officers it is such folly for them to waste their ammunition like that how can they ever take a town that has such advantages for defence and protection as this we'll just burrow into these hills and let them batter away as hard as they please oh you are right madam and besides when our women are so willing to brave death and endure discomfort how can we ever be conquered soon she looked over with significant glances to where we stood and began to talk at h the only drawback she said are the contemptible men who are staying at home in comfort when they ought to be in the army if they had a spark of honour i cannot repeat all but it was the usual tirade it is strange i have met no one yet who seems to comprehend an honest difference of opinion and stranger yet that the ordinary rules of good breeding are now so entirely ignored as the spring comes one has the craving for fresh green food that a monotonous diet produces there was a bed of radishes and onions in the garden that were a real blessing an onion salad dressed only with salt vinegar and pepper seemed a dish fit for a king but last night the soldiers quartered near made a raid on the garden and took them all april second we have had to move and thus lost our cave the owner of the house suddenly returned and notified us that he intended to bring his family back didn't think there'd be any siege the cost of the cave could go for the rent that means he has got tired of the confederacy and means to stay here and thus get out of it this house was the only one to be had it was built by ex-senator g and is so large our tiny household is lost in it we use only the lower floor the bell is often rung by persons who take it for a hotel and come beseeching food at any price Today one came who would not be denied we do not keep a hotel but would willingly feed hungry soldiers if we had the food i have been travelling all night and am starving will pay any price for just bread i went to the dining-room and found some biscuits and set out too with a large piece of cornbread a small piece of bacon some nice syrup and a pitcher of water i locked the door of the safe and left him to enjoy his lunch after he left i found he had broken open the safe and taken the remaining biscuits april twenty eighth i never understood before the full force of those questions what shall we eat what shall we drink and wherewithal shall we be clothed we have no prophet of the lord at whose prayer the meal and oil will not waste such minute attention must be given the wardrobe to preserve it that i have learned to darn like an artist making shoes is now another accomplishment mine were in tatters h came across a moth-eaten pair that he bought me giving ten dollars i think and they fell into rags when i tried to wear them but the soles were good and that has helped me to shoes 
a pair of old coat sleeves saved nothing is thrown away now was in my trunk i cut an exact pattern from my old shoes laid it on the sleeves and cut out thus good uppers and sewed them carefully then soaked the soles and sewed the cloth to them i am so proud of these homemade shoes think i'll put them in a glass case when the war is over as an heirloom h says he has come to have an abiding faith that everything he needs to wear will come out of that trunk while the war lasts it is like a fairy casket i have but a dozen pins remaining so many i gave away every time these are used they are straightened and kept from rust all these curious labors are performed while the shells are leisurely screaming through the air but as long as we are out of range we don't worry for many nights we have had but little sleep because the federal gunboats have been running past the batteries the uproar when this is happening is phenomenal the first night the thundering artillery burst the bars of sleep we thought it an attack by the river to get into garments and rush upstairs was the work of a moment from the upper gallery we have a fine view of the river and soon saw a red glare lit up the scene and showed a small boat towing two large barges gliding by the confederates had set fire to a house near the bank another night eight boats ran by throwing a shower of shot and two burning houses made the river clear as day one of the batteries has a remarkable gun they call whistling dick because of the screeching whistling sound it gives and certainly it does sound like a tortured thing added to all this is the indescribable confederate yell which is a soul-harrowing sound to hear i have gained respect for the mechanism of the human ear which stands it all without injury the streets are seldom quiet at night even the dragging about of cannon makes a din in these echoing gullies the other night we were on the gallery till the last of the eight boats got by next day a friend said to h it was a wonder you didn't have your heads taken off last night i passed and saw them stretched over the gallery and grape-shot were whizzing up the street just on a level with you the double roar of batteries and boats was so great we never noticed the whizzing yesterday the cincinnati attempted to go by in daylight but was disabled and sunk it was a pitiful sight we could not see the finale though we saw her rendered helpless thirteen preparations for the siege vicksburg may one eighteen sixty three it is settled at last that we shall spend the time of siege in vicksburg ever since we were deprived of our cave i had been dreading that h would suggest sending me to the country where his relatives lived as he could not leave his position and go also without being conscripted and as i felt certain an army would get between us it was no part of my plan to be obedient a shell from one of the practicing mortars brought the point to an issue yesterday and settled it sitting at work as usual listening to the distant sound of bursting shells apparently aimed at the courthouse there suddenly came a nearer explosion the house shook and a tearing sound was followed by terrified screams from the kitchen i rushed thither but met at the hall the cook's little girl america bleeding from a wound in the forehead and fairly dancing with fright and pain while she uttered fearful yells 
i stopped to examine the wound and her mother bound it in her black face ashy from terror oh miss b my child is killed and the kitchen tore up seeing america was too lively to be a, a killed subject i consoled martha and hastened to the kitchen evidently a shell had exploded just outside sending three or four pieces through when order was restored i endeavoured to impress on martha's mind the necessity for calmness and the uselessness of such excitement looking round at the close of the lecture there stood a group of confederate soldiers laughing heartily at my sermon and the promising audience i had they chimed in with a parting chorus yes it's no use a hollerin old lady oh h i exclaimed as he entered soon after america is wounded that is no news she has been wounded by traitors long ago oh this is real living little black america i'm not talking in symbols here are the pieces of shell the first bolt of the coming siege now you see he replied that this house will be but paper to mortar shells you must go in the country the argument was long but when a woman is obstinate and eloquent she generally conquers i came off victorious and we finished preparations for the siege to-day hiring a man to assist we descended to the wine cellar where the accumulated bottles told of the banquet hall deserted the spirit and glow of the festive hours whose lights and garlands were dead and the last guest long since departed to empty this cellar was the work of many hours then in the safest corner a platform was laid for our bed and in another portion one arranged for martha the dungeon as i call it is lighted only by a trap-door and is so damp it will be necessary to remove the bedding and mosquito bars every day the next question was of supplies i had nothing left but a sack of rice flour and no manner of cooking i had heard or invented contrived to make it eatable a column of recipes for making delicious preparations of it had been going the rounds of confederate papers i tried them all they resulted only in brick-brats or sticky paste h sallied out on a hunt for provisions and when he returned the disproportionate quantity of the different articles obtained provoked a smile there was a hogshead of sugar a barrel of syrup ten pounds of bacon and peas four pounds of wheat flour and a small sack of corn-meal a little vinegar and actually some spice the wheat flour he purchased for ten dollars as a special favor from the sole remaining barrel for sale we decided that must be left for sickness the sack of meal he said was a case of corruption through a special providence to us there is no more for sale at any price but said he a soldier who was hauling some of the government sacks to the hospital offered me this for five dollars if i could keep a secret when the meal is exhausted perhaps we can keep alive on sugar here are some wax candles hoard them like gold he handed me a parcel containing about two pounds of candles and left me to arrange my treasures it would be hard for me to picture the memories those candles called up the long years melted away and i trod again my childhood track and felt its very gladness in those childish days 
whenever came dreams of household splendor or festal rooms or gay illuminations the lights in my vision were always wax candles burning with a soft radiance that enchanted every scene and lo here on this spring day of sixty three with war raging through the land i was in a fine house and had my wax candles sure enough but alas they were neither cerulean blue nor rose-tinted but dirty brown and when i lighted one it spluttered and wasted like any vulgar tallow thing and lighted only a desolate scene in the vast handsome room they were not so good as the waxen rope we had made in arkansas so with a long sigh for the dreams of youth i returned to the stern present in this besieged town my only consolation to remember the old axiom a city besieged is a city taken so if we live through it we shall be out of the confederacy h is very tired of having to carry a pass around in his pocket and go every now and then to have it renewed we have been so very free in america these restrictions are irksome end of section three